Hello and welcome back to the Nostalgia FC podcast with your hosts, me, Drew Hollins-Roberts. And me, George Thomas. This is the podcast where we delve deep into the recesses of football and history and obscure football players. Yeah, so each week we'll get a new guest on who will give us their favourite 11 from football, their manager, their stadium, their kit and their super sub. Yes, and this week's guest is our first podcast collab. <laughs> and we have Martin Pearson, who you may recognise as Martin Fight Me Then Pearson, if you listen to Immy Quilter's episode. Uh, he is the host of Dragon Sports Media Podcast, Wales' truly independent Welsh sports podcast. So if you love Wales, you love independence and you love sport, head over to Dragon Sports Media. So yeah, without further ado, this is Nostalgia FC and this is Martin Pearson. Hello Martin, how are we doing? I'm very well, thank you boys. Thank you very much for having me on today. Yeah, no problem, welcome to the Pleasure. podcast. Welcome, welcome. So, uh, big football fan, obviously, because you host your own sports podcast, which is awesome. So, who do you support, Martin? I am a very, very sad Arsenal fan, I have to say. Used to be quite optimistic uh, when we had Arsene Wenger in charge, but it's been a steady decline, as I'm sure you both uh, don't about enjoyed to witness, but uh, <laughs> as you both witnessed over the last oh, no, few I years. Think, I think enjoyed to witness is probably the right... Uh... <laughs> Can I just say, Arsenal fan TV don't make any better. Um, no. We at Dragon oh, Sport Media do not condone those plonkers in any I t- way, shape or I form. tell you what, that is that is the positive about Arsenal not doing well. Because it's, it's, it's actually never nice to see like a big team not doing very well. But that Arsenal fan <laughs> that's, TV... That's a lie. <laughs> hey, we've got an Arsenal fan on. I'm trying, to be, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be nice. Right, so uh, Arsenal fan, which is, which is <laughs> nice. And obviously, if you host a podcast called Dragon Sports Media, you're going to be a Wales fan. Uh, yeah, you've got the uh, got a vintage. Well, not vintage. It's one of the JD Sport rip-off ones. Me too. That's exactly what I'm oh god, yeah, you've got the. I bought that for a mate for Christmas. Very good. Uh, I think they did a deal on the two. So I've this episode old, is still sponsored by JD's but... Ripoff Collection. There you go. Thanks, JD Ripoff Collection. <laughs> Let's get uh, into the pod itself. So. As always, we will start with your formation. So, Martin, what is your formation? Right. Uh, so, listening to a few of the other episodes, quite a few people have gone for four four two, and I think I'd like four three three or like four five one with the three attacking mid type. Uh, yeah. So, I've tried to throw a bit of a curveball. I've gone for a five two one two, so that's five across the back, not so much full backs, more wing backs pushing forward due to the lack of wingers, of course. Uh, two sort of free-ish centre midfielders, we spearhead, and two free strikers. Basically, it's you know it's a Sunday League Eleven. It's going to be quite open. That's yeah. sure. I was thinking as well in terms of how I'm going to match this team up against other teams that have been picked. <laughs> and the one you had last episode, like I'm just going to need to sort of bulk it up at the back, <laughs> try and sit in, and just have creative players in there that can maybe match. So maybe get a turn on some of the defenders that are in there, you know, just nick a goal and a bit like <laughs> what Arsenal have been doing for the past eighteen months, just sitting back yeah. and trying to. Love yeah, I was going to say you're definitely one. playing on the counter, aren't you? I'm trying Against to uh, push, uh, trying to push Mikel's ideology forward because I don't think we should get rid of him. All right, so we're continuing Arteta's ideology, which is lovely because, like you said, 
He studied under Guardiola, so the man obviously knows what he's doing on some level. Yeah. So let's see. That. Let's see if you do. <laughs> <laughs> Goalkeeper, what are we saying? Okay, so um, he has been mentioned on the podcast before. Um, I think it was when Rene Higuita was brought up. Um, because this gentleman actually um, is the leading goal scorer as a goalkeeper in world football. And he is picked purely based on that fact. I've gone for Rogerio Senni, Brazilian legend. Free kick taker extraordinaire, old Rogerio. I used to love, when I was younger, what just go on YouTube and typing in Rogerio Senni and just watching this goalkeeper banging free kicks. Unbelievable. It, it was just so absurd to witness, just... The goalkeeper with gloves, long sleeves, socks done up, just standing there over a dead ball, like eyeing the other keeper after like, It's one of the things that drew me to I just I never thought of a goalkeeper taking a set piece. Never thought about it. I still I still sort of have this thing against it. I think I mentioned it in the one we were talking about, um, Higita. Yeah. But it's like you have a goalkeeper go up to take a free kick, hits the wall, you're done. <laughs> yeah, very fair point. There's nothing funnier than watching a goalkeeper scramble back, though, after he's done that. After a corner or something like yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> and then he's, like, sort of hovering, thinking, oh, should I put my foot in for the tackle, or should I just turn my back and sprint? It's pretty funny. It's he saw it with Alisson a few weeks yeah. ago yeah. in Liverpool oh. playing Burnley, and he was literally on the edge of the box, like, should I go? Should I go? I don't know what's doing. <laughs> and just sprinting back, and then, yeah, just it's great stuff. Comedy football. So, but yeah, I always thought as well, um, in my younger days, you know, goalkeepers good at throwing the ball why do they never have like a Rory Delap type situation where you have the goalkeeper just hurling it in in the 90th minute like, can goalkeepers <laughs> take point, throw-ins actually. I've never checked this rule they can because um, a lot of the time when it uh, again if they're if they're like a goal down and in the 90th minute it'll go out near their goal they'll run over and take it you see you see oh, that so it's yeah, like true. there's no reason why they wouldn't just run down either end of the pitch and hurl one into the box I guess I suppose with free kicks, though, you're more central to take the free yeah. kick, so you've got more of a, a clear lane to run back. If you're taking a throw in <laughs> on the left, you've got a segue all back into the middle and then onto the goal. Yeah, I think um, one thing I always think about goalkeepers taking free kicks, it must feel so shit if you're an outfield player on that team <laughs> and none of you can take free kicks to the point where your goalkeeper has to come from his goal to take a free kick. Yeah. Fair play, he scores them, but it must be I, like... Uh, Fancy himself a free kick taker, but I'll leave it for the goalkeeper. <laughs> you got to think as well, the bragging rights over the other keeper, if you score that free kick, mm. is immense. <laughs> yeah, there's always that sort of like camaraderie between goalkeepers, penalty shootouts. If they if they like each other, they'll like sort of G each other up a bit and like they'll like talk before the penalties are taken and whatever. And then you sort of feel that sort of like goalkeepers union where they, they want to yeah. root for each other because they know how hard it is to play in that position. But then the guy that comes to take a free kick is just like, nah, fuck you. Watch <laughs> Right, let's go forward into the five. Now you can start wherever you like in the five. You said wing backs, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to be playing two wing backs, three centre backs. Just, uh, just like the Wales team did at the Euros. It's a successful way to yes. absorb pressure and counter attack. So we're going to go with that. Fair enough. I think I'll start with the centre-backs. Go for it. It uh, doesn't really matter which order they play in. It can be quite fluid switching about. Um, just, so long as people are getting stuck in, I'm not too bothered, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, the first centre-back I'm going for, uh, she has been a previous guest on this podcast, one of my best friends. I am uh, putting her in the team because she put me in her team, so it's only fair. <laughs> but I've gone for Miss Amy Quilter. <laughs> 
Have we? We, uh, we were flatmates a couple of years ago in uh, Leeds, but I went to college, wrote on seed, did music tech together, and we both studied music production um, at uni in Leeds and did masters as well. So uh, then for quite a few years. Nice. Good luck. Well, we, we grew up with Amy, and oh, yeah. it's really nice that you've put her in the team, but I'm just going to put it on record. Not a very good football player. <laughs> yeah, I was oh, going to say. No. <laughs> I mean, as you'll come to see later a few other members of the team probably aren't great football players but uh, <laughs> we have a popular population of what 3.1 million to choose from i've tried to pick a few welsh players and a few outside uh you know a few uh was it wild cards from around yeah. europe and uh south america so well to be fair to i would fairly realistic yeah i would say amy's amy's quite a wild card in that whenever we play football with her she's not sort of a foot on the ball kind of player more of a kick the ball as far away as possible from where I am kind of player <laughs> which is actually an I mean, ideal centre back three as well because exactly. if you're going to assuming maybe one of these might be like a sort of sweeping role you're going to need that sort of player just to smash it out whenever possible yeah yeah let the other two well we don't know who the other two are yet so yeah. I'll lay off on that but let the other two win it and then she can just absolutely Oof smash it. it. Queen of the toe poke <laughs> is in the filter. She won't mind me saying should. that, I'm sure. If no, she does, no. I'm sorry, Amy. Poking him for tackles as well is what you want to do. Just like, so like yeah. a fencer just pecking away at it. So. <laughs> but no, she's got other good attributes as a centre-half. I think she's fairly t- taller than me anyway. Yeah. So. Fairly strong. She's got an amateur wrestling background. So long the, the other two are going to do the bulk of the work. She's there to get stuck in and wrestle people. She's getting a bit, getting a bit, bit gobby in people it. since we've lived together, <laughs> exactly. You need, you need a few of that in Sunday league. A few of the other players are going to be hungover, just riling up, <laughs> their half time. So you're fully going for the yeah, we're playing in a Sunday league sort yeah, of it's... environment rather than professional. Yeah, oh love yeah, it. love it. Oh, yeah. What I'm looking forward to is uh, the idea of Imi coming up against the strikers that have previously been picked. What? Just... So, so in say for instance in Sam's episode, which when this comes out will be three episodes ago or two episodes ago, yeah. uh, she'll be coming up against Suarez, Messi, and Ronaldo. <laughs> I can see her German suplex in Lionel Messi into the ground, no problem. <laughs> That's great. So, I mean, it's Sunday league as well. Referee's going to mess it. Yeah, that's it. No he's, probably, he's probably hungover VAR as well. Or anything uh, he's like not, that, he's so not hungover. He's still in. drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he forgot he had a game and got dragged out of bed and driven. It's not even a ref. Game. It's someone's mate that's just <laughs> on the sideline, like, oh, do you want to ref this game? Amy Quill, a lovely choice. Next centre back. For this one, um, probably going to be more of the sweeper type player. I wanted solid defensive partners for Amy. This gentleman's just retired from football as well quite recently. So, might be able to grab him if he's free and about. <laughs> he, he's a former Wales captain and uh, another Midlands-born Welshman such as myself. So gone for Ashley Williams. Lovely. Nice. Yeah, I only saw that actually yesterday that he'd uh, he'd retired. It was a bit emotional because you just sort of think he's he was the captain during that during yeah, that Wales run in Euros. And it's just like, what a way, what a way to sort of leave your career, just be like, I've done that now. Club career probably not as uh, prestigious, but no, not really. But that doesn't matter because what he did for us was yeah. legendary. Yeah, what a legend. 
Yeah, so the leadership he showed on the field as well. I mean, he, he did okay for Swansea. I think they won the League Cup was uh, 2013, yeah. I think. So that you know, the last time they won it, I can't really say anything as an Arsenal fan. We win an FA Cup every like two or three years, but <laughs> not 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 bad accolade to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a joke. 655 club appearances. Nearly 100 caps for Wales as well. He got 86 and two goals. Is it too early to bring up the fact that he started the fight back against Belgium? No, there we go. Nice segue into that. I'm glad you did it so I didn't have to. There it is. We'll just quickly breeze into that bit. We won't go over the rest of the, the thing we always talk about, which is obviously Hal. That first goal, because really that first half, Wales were a bit under the cosh. They weren't, it looked like it was going to be a long evening. Mm. And then for some reason, Kevin De Bruyne fancied to walk away from the post and the rest is history. <laughs> oh, yeah, Kevin De Bruyne is rubbish. That's why. I mean, I was, my favourite Kevin De Bruyne assist was that when he walked off the post. <laughs> Thanks, Kev. Shocking. Yeah, great captain for Wales. Great leader, like you said. Played in some really crucial games for Wales. Only scored the two goals, but to be honest, I don't remember what the other one was. But the, that one goal, obviously, historical. Think, yeah, that one's going to overshadow it, isn't it? Whatever. Yeah, it that's is. worth two goals. So maybe that's why they did it. Happy retirement, Ashley. Yeah. We loved you. Maybe not towards the end of your career, but in that middle bit, you were very good. So a nice one. Can play a Sunday league in real bad. Let's complete this centre-back trio. So it's quite strong okay. so far. Physically strong. I wouldn't want to come up against them. No. Who's the third? Well, I've uh, gone for the first of my non-league selections for this one. Um, as I said, a bit of a uh, non-league football fan. Um, this gentleman was the first ever captain of FC United of Manchester. He's your typical non-league, old-school stopper-type centre-back. Having said that, he's got a decent turn of pace for a big gentleman. When I say big, I just mean he's fairly tall. He's about 6'4", so a bit more height in the defence. Considering FC United are sort of a break-off from Manchester United, I know I'm a fan being an Arsenal fan. Um, He's actually a City fan, and he uh, played for the club, so he did get a bit of stick off the fans. But uh, gone for a guy called Dave Chadwick. As I said, first FC United captain, I think he was there for about four or maybe five seasons. 211 appearances and 24 goals as FC for a player. And he's currently back to first team coach as well. Nice. So, uh, Amazing. so for anyone listening as well and doesn't know the story behind uh, FC United, do you want to explain it to them, Martin? Oh, yeah. I'm, um, it was 2003. Glazers took over United. Supposedly, the family was in a fair bit of debt. So they uh, took out loans to uh, buy the club. And I think if I'm getting this right, the collateral they put up against uh, the loans were items from the club or sort of shares in the club. So they were basically using United to sort of buy the club and put themselves up as... They say, you, you know, if you're taking a loan out, surely the collateral should be on the person taking the yeah, thing, yeah, not yeah, what they're buying. Right. Does that make any? So a lot of fans took a page with that and... I don't know how you feel, uh, George, considering you're a United fan with how you've been doing recently, but a lot of FC fans attribute United sort of wobble, if you can call it. I don't, I don't want to be too mean because we're playing you later. So, uh, <laughs> don't know yeah. but I, people attribute that to Ed Woodward in uh, some respects, but I think the Glazers might be a bit to do with it, especially the uh, policies with you, you could buying put, you could... and selling certain players. You could put it that way, but like you say, the Glazers came in in 2003 and we had a lot of success up until probably about, what, when was the last trophy we won? Is it 2012, 2013? Oh, you were in, like you were in the Europa League three years ago. Yeah, but like, if, you, if you're talking about like sort of league-wise and things like that, yeah, okay. 
but yeah, glazes wise, I don't like glazes. No one like glazes. There was I remember going to Old Trafford when when they first took over, and obviously I was quite young. But um, there was a chant: if you all hate glazes, stand up. And you'd have the whole of Old Trafford, 70,000 people on their feet. And that's how many people hated the Glazers. So it's sort of like you understand why some of them went off and sort of this FC United of Manchester and sort of created this because they wanted some uh, a team to follow that they actually, you know, didn't have any animosity against. So it's sort yeah, of... exactly. Right, yeah. So you said uh, you've got your three centre-backs and you've got uh, two wing-backs. So I assume they're a little bit more attacking. Which side do you want to go first? I start with the right wing back because he's actually a former professional footballer. This gentleman, he was the starting right back. He can also play wing back, according to his Wikipedia and my extensive football manager uh, playing as a child and <laughs> now actually as a 24-year-old man, if I can call myself that. <laughs> he was from that weirdly amazing Bolton team that never won anything in the uh, early 2000s, but I think they had the UEFA Cup run. This uh, guy, Ricardo Gardner, he was uh, Bolton for 14 years between, uh, what was it, 1998 and 2012. Um, you know, considering these hoes ain't loyal nowadays, you've got to respect him <laughs> staying at a club for that long. <laughs> a great player, well, a great career, sorry, very long career for a player. Obviously, like you said, quite a successful team. He would have played with some Bolton greats like Campo and Akotcha, other yeah. Bolton legends, Joe Clayton. And Joe Akotcha. That so Bolton team many. had quite a lot of a lot of decent players in its time, didn't it? It's like uh, Sam Aldice was playing football manager and he's just waiting for co- players to run, run out of their contract and be like, all right, I'll pick you up on a free in January. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but he also, Ricardo Gardner, has 111 caps for Jamaica, which mm-hmm. even though Jamaica, obviously, they're not exactly setting the world alight with their footballing abilities, but, you know, he has played at a World Cup for his national side. In 1998, and I think you're a professional football player. If you can represent a country, no matter how big of the country and how good the country, at a national international tournament, that's a pretty big oh, yeah. plus for your career. Well, in that's fantastic. I think he was the captain for a brief spell as well. The national team, you know, any player who dreams of representing their country, you want to lead the team out, don't you? Yeah. So the what would you boys rather win? There's always a bit of a debate. Well, I'd always a bit of a debate. Some younger people, because they're silly, always say, oh, I'd rather win the Champions League than the World Cup. I think it's easier for me and George to say because we've seen our teams win the Champions League multiple yeah. times. And I know that's not like a brag. Sorry, Martin. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that day still haunts me, by the way. <laughs> but I, the image of Mr. Bale holding up the World <laughs> Cup, oh. Oh, that is... I think... I think as well, because especially as Wales fans, but even you could probably say that England fans are probably the same at the moment, even though they have a much better team. It's that it almost feels unachievable. So if you were able to achieve it, like the World Cup is just the absolute absolute pinnacle of football. I love watching the World Cup. I love everything about it. And it's like, for me, that's that's it. If you win the World Cup, you've, you've completed football sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at some of the players in that France squad that won it last time, like... They're so young and they're already World Cup winners. Like Mbappe, yeah. was he like nineteen when they won the World Cup? Mental, crazy. Yeah, and he played like a he played like a crucial role in it. So yeah, I would always say that as like the Champions League is the pinnacle of a club career, but the World Cup is the pinnacle of like anybody any player grown up. If you said to them, "Would you want to win the World Cup for your country?" Of course they'd say yes. They're not gonna go, nah, don't fancy it. Fancy some mid-table obscurity and win the Champions League once? Nah, you've won the World Cup. 
yeah. I think as well because uh, it's just such an event and the world's eyes are on it TV coverage and sort of the colours and the stadium all different fans and flags and that's why you sort of grow up seeing it it's sort of magical like the Olympics yeah yeah, absolutely. Like, you just want to just all the different together. cultures coming exactly, together yeah. I love it I think the other thing as well is like it changes players' careers so much. So like, for example, Ricardo Gardner, he was already at Bolton at the time, but players like him that have played for a smaller country or a lesser known country, they go to World Cup and they're playing big teams like Brazil, England, France, whatever. That can propel them into the spotlight and get them a move to a bigger club. Like it's, yeah. it's one of them where it's, it can change a player's career. And I think that's awesome. Few Arsenal flops that we signed after World Cups or European Championships. Uh, do you guys remember Joel Campbell? I'm yes. still pretty bitter we didn't give him the as Costa Rica. Much as he was we from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He scored. He was one of the top scorers in the group stages, I think, or something. He netted quite a few. He's playing out wide as well, so it was rapid. Running, I remember that. Yeah, it was rapid. Good left foot. Yeah, there was so Never much promise with him as well. Chance. That's the other thing. The uh, <laughs> the World Cup can catfish you because you have two small nations playing each other. And you're like, oh my god, this guy's amazing! And then, like, oh no, wait, <laughs> he's not. He's not good. Take it back. Take it back. Well, I think that's a spoiler. We won't find Joel Campbell at left wing back, but who will we find at left wing back? <laughs> I've actually gone for a mixed martial artist at left wing back on my podcast. I do talk quite a bit about MMA. Quite a few cracking Welsh fighters in the UFC. So big fan of that. Big fan of regional MMA as well. Cage Warriors is really good. So. So I'd throw one in. Um, there is a bit of a football in link with this guy, which I'll get on to um, shortly. But attributes-wise, uh, in his prime as a UFC champion and a WEC champion, he had some of those ferocious kicks in the game. Good attribute for a footballer. Uh, but yeah, I've gone for one of the most terrifying Brazilians to walk the earth, Mr. Jose Aldo. Now, I don't want to sound ignorant. I don't know a lot about UFC. I'll be totally honest. I know he's got good kicks. But oh, yeah. I'll be honest, the only reason I know Jose Aldo... I know what you're going to say as well. Because I, he got knocked out in 13 seconds. I'm prepared for this. I've prepared some material for this because I am on the... Uh, I started watching MMA when I was quite young because... Well, I say quite young, I think I was about 12. Got my first Xbox that connected to the internet. I was very happy about it. <laughs> and you could get the apps to watch, like catch-up TV. And I think... Uh, Spike TV it was or Channel 5 the Easter uh, reruns of all the UFC events we got into it that way um, I first saw Jose Aldo a replay of him KO a guy called Cub Swanson in 8 seconds in a title eliminator for the WEC belt that was like a flying knee so he's actually got a faster knockout than the McGregor one nice um, I have to say fair play to uh, McGregor for that knockout not particularly a fan of the chap I remember Jose Aldo specifically, but I'm for that fight because myself and George had uh, gone back to Preston when we went to uni oh, to watch yeah. it with all our pals. And it was the year after we graduated and uh, one of our friends had stayed behind to do Masters. So we all went to stay at his house to watch this fight. And we all stayed up and I was on the floor and I kept falling asleep and waking up, falling asleep and waking up. Oh. And then I managed to stay awake and it's like, I think it started like five in the morning. And I was like, yeah, yeah. all right, I'm awake. Let's go. 13 seconds, I was like, oh, what? A f- we wait all this time <laughs> all that, for that. But yeah. It was, it, yeah, it was historical, but... Um... <laughs> yeah, it's good to see it, but also at the same time, I'd like put myself to some form of like sleep paralysis to get to that point. I was like, oh, wasn't even worth it. Thanks, guys. I should say as well, Jose Aldo does have a pretty big link to football. Um, big football fan, being Brazilian. Um, I'll send you a link over 
for this video later um, so you can corroborate that this is real. But uh, there was a charity match in Brazil. I don't really understand the context around that. I couldn't read the articles there in Spanish. Um, but uh, he was playing and they had the likes of Neymar and a few other Brazilian players in it. I think Jose Aldo was playing in defence and he's just dribbling the ball out the box. Neymar and another player are standing in Knocked front him of him. Out. Knocked him out. Nope. Knocked Neymar Rainbow out. Rainbow flicks him. <laughs> Rainbow, Rainbow flicks two players. Nice. No. What more? Yep, yep. I will yeah, nice. I have a link rare and I'll send you that over. Oh, that's better. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, have a look at that. It was, uh, well, there is that reason as well that I've put him in the team because you need a bit of an enforcer. So... I mean, I've got plenty in defence already, but that's... I was going to say, you probably didn't need one, but fair enough. <laughs> I was going to say, a bodyguard for the bodyguards, I love that. Fast kicks and rainbow flicks, a great look for a, <laughs> for a left-back. That's the thing, you got the creativity, a very creative striker on his feet as well, so he can work nice balls into the box. And, you know, Sunday league, you need a little bit of shit or in there, just like tugging <laughs> shirts, little elbows at corners. Really Make some think twice about going. Exactly. <laughs> He's got a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, so cheeky little arm locks while the referee's not looking. <laughs> a cheeky arm lock while the ref's not looking. He's still trying to roll his fag anyway, so he's probably yeah. not even looking, yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move into your midfield. So I'm assuming uh, the two are sort of holding midfielders or... They got a bit of free reign. Yeah, well, um, the two central of uh, it's a triangle, so attacking mid. Uh, yeah. In terms of the two central mids, one's going to sit more like a sort of ball winning midfielder, whereas the other's more of a box to box type. Also, a playmaker is also quite free, but sort of one does the bulk of the nitty gritty work because we're you know we've got five at the back. Don't need two sitting uh, midfielders. Uh, so, but that gives the uh, that gives the other one a bit more room to go forward. Going to talk about the sitting midfielder first because uh, oh. I've uh, shamelessly selected myself. Ah. So, <laughs> I I don't really have great footballing abilities. Um, better than Emmy, I have to say. Um, but uh, it's my fly. team. Why would I not want to play in this team? Like, if West Ham can pay one point four million plus wages to loan Jesse Lingard for half a year. Why can't I play in this team? <laughs> I can't tell that. you. I cannot tell you how happy I am with that. <laughs> I cannot stand that man because he had the nerve to score a goal at my stadium, run up to the corner flag and dance like a prick. Mini rock, yeah. <laughs> I think Immy both undersold my footballing capabilities because I'm not as terrible as she made out, but I'm pretty below par. But I think she sort of overstated my on-field aggression as well, slightly. <laughs> but I'd more, maybe, well, I'm obviously biased, but I'd more say I just like to get stuck in. Yeah. But, so so yeah. we're not talking Martin, fight me then, Pearson. We're just talking <laughs> Martin Pearson. That is true, <laughs> though, I have to say. I'll tell you the story, actually. I used to play field hockey. Not as soft a sport as you think. I have to say those balls bloody hurt and you only have shin pads and a gum shield so the stick, if it wraps around the ankle, effing kills. Like, really hurts. I'm playing mixed hockey as well when I was a kid. Girls are dead rough. I used to play for Rill and District. So we used to play in like a Northwest League on a Saturday. And we are playing Bebbington, which is, I think it's this side of the world. There was this one really gobby guy. They had a centre half. Kept elbowing our centre forward all day. He was just a little 15-year-old lad, absolutely no reason for it. And then uh, just went up for a corner. 
he just completely uh completely took him out because uh, obviously you're playing with a stick so he swept his stick under his feet sent him cartwheeling over so he just squared up to him and started pushing me and I just offered him out and uh I don't I didn't actually say fight me then um I just said oh are we having a go then bud and of course he backed down because I'm just you know have a problem where I managed to talk my way into things a lot of the time on the pitch. Not really with referees and that, but uh, always find myself talking myself into trouble. And uh, well, that's, can't back down, can you? That's good because you can cause the distraction for Jose Aldo to suffocate the rest of the blokes. Exactly. <laughs> no, I do have um, do have a sport in history as well. I should say. So even though I'm not great at football, I did play as a child and I've played sex aside as well, but still not great. Right. Well, that's good attributes for a centre defensive mid. Bit of a Gattuso kind of vibe I'm getting. <laughs> Worse hair, though, I have to say. <laughs> so let's go on to your other central midfielder. Okay. Right, so this one, I have uh, gone for the most technically gifted player I've ever had the pleasure of witnessing in the flesh. Uh, this chap, former Arsenal player, spent, I think, six years at the club, few injuries, um, it was 2012 to 2018, 129 appearances, 25 goals, 35 assists. Little, tiny, Spanish, Dynamo, cult hero. Any guesses? Santi. Yeah, that's the boy. That's the boy, Santi Cazola. I don't know if cult heroes... Um, is it too soon for a player to no, be a cult I think, hero? I, think so. enough to, I think. No, I wouldn't say so. I, I called Park Ji-sung a cult hero at United. Oh, yeah, too right, um, too right. He's got the song to go with it and everything. Though. Yeah. That sort of makes, again, the, makes the mystique into the man. Again, we won't mention that song. No. We don't want to get cancelled. <laughs> we haven't broke Asia yet, but we definitely won't if you put that song in there. Anyway, uh, Santi Cazorla, truly a two-footed player as well, I have mm. to say. Set pieces as well. Got a, well, got two set piece takers in the team now. Yeah. So, uh, Frigerio Santi is tied up or, like, we're not chasing a goal, which Stay back, bro. He's getting old anyway. So yeah. <laughs> Santi Cazorla, though, would like fully, I, I would say, an underrated player. Yeah, definitely. He was so good. So, so, so good to watch as well. Creative little player. And I think, he, he was short, wasn't he? Yeah, tiny little guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it says a lot I think when it you helped him. Yeah. When you read mm. his, stats, his stat line, that's sort of why he's overlooked because necessarily didn't score the most goals or get the most assists, but what he did in between the lines and what mm. he did facilitating those around him goes overlooked because obviously Arsenal had some stars in that team, but yeah. he, uh, he was one of them unsung hero, bit of a flashy guy. I love Santa Cazola. My favorite thing about Santa Cazola is not to do with Arsenal. It's when he left Arsenal and he went oh, back yeah. to Villarreal and they unveiled him by putting him in a giant test tube, filling it with smoke, <laughs> and then the magician guy revealed Santa Cazola as the smoke evaporated from the chest tube and he steps out <laughs> like he's been reborn. I am clone of Santi. Go check I've it out. It's that. hilarious. That's absolutely brilliant. It's so funny. I don't know if they were trying to be like, oh yeah, he's not injured anymore. Look, <laughs> we did it in the lab. <laughs> but it was on the pitch as well. I think it was at half time in the Villarreal game. And they basically fill up the chest tube with smoke. He's in there. You don't see him first, and then the smoke evaporates, and then Santi Cozola steps out onto the pitch. All the fans are like, "Yeah, it's a clone of Santi." But yeah. What did they do? Must have had a trap door in the pitch or something. Then, because no idea. Is, that, is anyone in the magicians' union? Can anyone 
bro. They're still on those. <laughs> oh, they, they couldn't, if they were, I, they couldn't tell us, otherwise they'd be kicked out. Oh, good point, good point. Don't want to do it live on a podcast either because you'll definitely get kicked out. Yeah, yeah. And we don't want magicians coming after us either. <laughs> Santa Cazola and the test you full of smoke. That's what you want, isn't it? They had a yeah. weird phase where uh, like the transfer announcements and that. It was maybe yeah. two years ago. They clubs were coming up some really weird levels like Alexis playing the piano. Yeah. Uh, that worked out well. That's one it? thing that really yeah, I know that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. The worst swap deal in history, Mikatorian for <laughs> Alexis, where neither team won. I remember I remember seeing all the all the stat lines that were like uh all of Alexis Sanchez's stats for United. And it was something like this many goals, this many assists, and obviously it wasn't very many. And then it said um solos played on the piano one. <laughs> that is yeah. the most random unveiling I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. And the magician looks a little bit like De Bruyne. There you go. Another <laughs> assist for De Bruyne. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> but no, Santi Cazola, a lovely little player, like a David Silver type, I would say. Bit more grit yeah. than David yeah. Silver. Like you would put it in, put it about a bit. But yeah, a great choice. I love Santi Cazola. I think he's, yeah, like George said, very underrated, but a great choice. And a lovely partner for you in midfield. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, as I said, he's, uh, I, I think I only saw him play twice, but uh, me and me uh, mates went to, we actually sat in the home end and we went to see Arsenal play away at Wigan. Naughty, naughty. I know. But yeah, in that game, he just absolutely controlled the midfield. It was when Wenger was partner and then with Francis Cochran and like similar situation with me. I don't think Cochran's the greatest footballer, but he works hard and he gets stuck in. Good tackle, bit of a temper on him. What you know, yeah. got love about that. But he sort of did the like work for Santi to be able to have that more sort of free roaming playmaker role in the middle. Because you know, you can play out wide as well. So no real wingers in this team, wing back, so that helps. There's a nice little sort of pair in there in midfield with you sitting in, sort of just keeping your place and uh, Santi Xola having a bit more freedom to sort of roam around. Love that. You've obviously thought that through. So we've got an attacking midfielder in there as well, though, in front of yeah. you both. So uh, who are we put in there? Right. I have uh, picked the player entirely based on nostalgia again. Of course. Uh, it's the name of the pod. Um, that's, that's the name of the game. Do you guys remember the first FIFA Street game? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, me and Drew, me and Drew spent that hours game. on that game. Yeah. <laughs> I still think that was my favourite of the Thief Street series. I uh, had on the GameCube, actually. I still have this console because it somehow still works. I think he was probably my most used player on that game. He had this, uh, you know, they all had the signature tricks in that. Yeah. His was called Perpetual Motion, which is probably the coolest name for a trick on the <laughs> game as well. Czech International, uh, probably best known for his time with Juventus. Uh, Ballon d'Or winner in 2003 beat Thierry Henry and Paolo Maldini um, I think that was the year uh, that Juve side got to the Champions League final uh, Mr Pavel Nedved amazing choice I've waited Absolutely. for someone to pick Pavel Nedved I'll be totally honest we had the conversation before the pod uh, was recording Martin and I said every week I change my team because yep. people mention people and I take them out and you've just stolen another one of mine he, <sighs> he was in mine he was in mine <laughs> but I'm sort of like oh, because man. because I was struggling for for that position I was struggling so much I'm sort of glad you've picked him that now I can pick one of the others <laughs> oh, quite nice oh, <laughs> narrowed it down for you yeah. oh, no, but what, what play, why have you put him in Martin give us your rundown so good sort of the nostalgia of FIFA Street that Juve team as well when I started watching football quite enjoyed English football didn't really 
enjoy watching the Spanish teams that much. They just didn't enjoy the style of play. For some, I think, because um, I didn't have Sky or anything, internet wasn't very good around there. As a kid, we had dial-up and it sucked. Um, <laughs> so I used to watch a lot of football uh, on like Channel 4 and 5 because they'd put the European leagues on at silly times in the morning and stuff like that. And uh, Juve, I remember seeing them quite a lot. So a lot of iconic players in that team over the years, of course. But Nedved was one of the ones that really stood out for me. Just an absolute complete sort of midfielder in the attacking sense. And did get stuck in a bit as well, but he could score from everywhere. Volleys, long-range shots, sort of those late Ramsey-type runs into the box, getting flicks on and nodding it in. Did well with the Czech Republic as well, like 90-odd caps, scored quite a few goals. Just like Wales as well, uh, Czech Republic have been knocked out in the European semi-final by Portugal. Lost to Greece that year, didn't they? But they went yeah. on to win, of course, in 2016. So, I think, but yeah, just uh, had to look at its highlight reel as well in the build-up. To this is really good one on the Juve's YouTube channel. Just seven minutes of just him as a complete player. Unbelievable player! Like he could do everything. He was quick. He could hit hit it from anywhere. Pass it. Great. Great. And we'll just dive into George's favourite section, hot or not. I was going to say head great head of hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Fantastic. Lovely stuff. Fantastic. Not your conventional haircut for a football player, but he looks a bit like a like a villain from Die Hard or something like that. <laughs> I would describe him, but hell of a player. And like you said, won the Ballon d'Or. You don't win that unless you're a good player. Yeah. And obviously the, the players he beat to win it was a incredible selection of football players. He is obviously probably the best Czech Republic player of all time. Thomas Suchek's having a good go right now, but I think Pavel Nedved still takes it. Yeah, I think I don't think you'll ever. I don't think there ever will be. I think he was such a good player, mind you. There could be an up and coming somewhere, but Thomas Suchek, the Czech, yeah, Suchek, Suchek, Suchek Vieira, Czech Vieira, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, had a good go, but uh, that's true. Milan Baros, like Kazol, a few injuries. Oh yeah, God, Milan Baros, forgot about him. <laughs> he was terrible. I mean, everyone forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> I never forgot. Anywhere. Didn't he wear like the number five or something yeah. really weird? When I was a kid, I had a Liverpool away shirt with number five with my name on the back because I love Milan Barros so much. <laughs> Barros was in that um, side that won the Champions League, the 3 3 one, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's the one that lobbed Czech before Garcia scored the ghost goal in the Champions League fi- the semi final. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. on to the actual good Czech player, Pavel Neved. Terrific choice. Like a great little link there between all of your players. I think Pavel Nedved will link that very nicely. Yeah, I do have um, a story about, well, not me specifically. I was there and uh, did also cause some criminal damage. But uh, my friends broke a signed, uh, broke the frame and the glass of a signed Pavel Nedved shirt. Not to steal it, I should say. Uh, we're from real, so our reputation precedes us. But uh, <laughs> it was when we were at Union Leeds. Uh, me and a couple of mates were watching the Wales-England game in the Rugby World Cup in 2015. And we'd gone into Leeds Uni Student Union to watch it, a place called Old Bar. When uh, Dan Bigger, I think it was, scored the kick to give us the win, I stood up. Uh, we absolutely smashed at this point. We all were as well. We'd been giving the people on the table across from us an absolute earful of shit as well. It was getting a bit rowdy. Stood up, threw my arms in the air to celebrate. There was like a light fixture about here, one of the ones that hangs off the wall like that. Threw my arms up, completely knocked it off the wall <sighs> to the wire. Like biggest cheer of the evening, I should say, went up in the pub <laughs> at that point. Um, uh-huh. And then uh, full time went, 
my two friends, Sam and Dan, started uh, jumping up and down on, you know, those pub-like benches that have got yeah. cushion seats on yeah. them and they're woods, so hollow. Two sort of six-foot lads jumping on them gave way. <laughs> During the process of that, one of them had sort of put their arm back to grab the wall so they didn't eat shit on the table and uh, smashed a Pavel Nevered uh, signed shirt in the Leeds Student <sighs> Union. So we could not have bolted from that place quicker, I have to tell you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, well, a great team so far. We've gotten through the defence and the midfield, so let's go on to the forward line. Who's your first striker? I'm going to go for my second and final non-league choice, actually. Second FC player I'm picking, and the best non-league striker I've seen play, apart from I saw Jamie Vardy play as a non-league footballer. Nice. He played against FC United for Stocksbridge Park Steels. Pretty sure the score was four two, and he made it three two, coming on as a sub. Uh, they <laughs> wait on, oh, wait, wait, wait. Did, did Jamie Vardy play non-league football? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever no one, mentions it. No one's ever they? mentioned yeah. it. Every time he scores any goal ever, bit of a digress there. But I've uh, chosen a gentleman called Rory Patterson as one of my two strikers. He is FC United's all-time leading goal scorer. Unfortunately. He's, forever going to be stuck on 99 goals oh. but, uh, 99 goals in 129 games wow even in non-leagues a pretty good return that is a hell of a return he's a northern ireland well he was a northern ireland international for a brief spell actually uh years after playing for fc he had uh, five caps and scored a penalty in a friendly against morocco nice. in his time at fc he was he wasn't one of the first players we signed but he was there uh, for the first season he was there for three years and we won three consecutive titles in those three years. And uh, the man who led the line. We did play a 4-4-2. He was uh, partnered with a guy called Stuart Red. So they played very well together. But he was sort of the one that stood out quite a lot more. Uh, he had a bit of notoriety as well when he first signed for the club. Because um, he was uh, one of the... Tri- you know how uh, when league teams play friendlies, they always have a lot of trialist players on the mm, yeah. score. There's a... Scored as a trialist. I think we're playing AFC Wimbledon. He scored. The announcer didn't know who scored, so couldn't say his name. Uh, so we got the nickname, The Man With No Name. And there was a song that went with that. And uh, yeah, I'm not <laughs> going to sing no it. Though. <laughs> ah, lovely. That's a very long league story, that, isn't it? The Man With No Name, because the commentator didn't know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. What a return. 98, so 99 and 120, goals, yeah. 129 games. Yeah, lovely. That's not so bad. annoying. Not, to yeah, just... I know. Yeah, yeah. That's so you can imagine that last game if he knew it was his last game and he's on 99 and the whole game, everyone's just trying to pass in the ball, it just wasn't happening. Oh. Well, he went I back as well. Yeah. He went back, and I'm assuming maybe just to try and get that final goal. And according to Wikipedia, like we say, Wikipedia stats can be wrong, never did. I uh, think on the Wikipedia page, it details a bit of the story of our uh, bit of a shame that he left because um, one of our rivals in the division, we just got to uh, Bradford Park Avenue. So um, he joined them because they got a rich owner. And just like when Chester did this to us as well, when we were in their division, got a rich owner, just bought FC's best players and then benched him for ages, never played with him. Sort of as like a bit of a middle finger to us. It's like, yeah. oh God, but... Um, yeah. yeah, sorry, I'd probably get bogged down in that. I just want to say, Rory Patterson, I'll send you the link to this one as well. Scored the greatest non-league goal I've ever witnessed in the flesh. Um, 
2006, I think, so second season against a team called Silsden. They just made the score 2 1. I think it was in the second half. And three players around the kickoff. One of them just nudges the ball. Rory takes it forward, spots their keeper off the line. So just lobs him from 45 yards. Yes. Love in that. a fairly packed gig lane. Because uh, we used to play, uh, we used to rent the stadium off Barry. So we yeah. play a gig lane in front of about 3,000 people. Stadium went up, cracking goal. Made it on to not much of the day, but ITV's equivalent at the time, the championship, where they used to do like uh, the rest of the EFL leagues. All right, so there's one great striker. Well, as you said, greatest non-league striker you've seen, and by the sounds of it, he was very, very good. We need a strike partner. Who have we got? Okay, I uh, had a 50-50 split between two Arsenal legends for this one. I was torn between the two strike partners from the Invincible side. First year of football I ever remember witnessing after I'd uh, chosen Arsenal as my team because I didn't have that football-minded a family. A few people in my family that did like football were Spurs fans. Oof. So in a bit of a active childhood defiance, I chose Arsenal as my team. And Not even a bit of defiance. That's full yeah, on. That's the ultimate. I'm gonna... <laughs> Screw you guys. Even though I'm older and I'm probably biased because I'm an Arsenal fan, are Spurs even that likeable as a club? <laughs> I don't know. Let's. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't really feel anything. <laughs> to be honest, I sort of like if they were a band, they'd be like Ed Sheeran or the Moody Blues, like just like <laughs> beige. <laughs> anyway, your striker. Before we bash Tottenham. Anyway, anymore. so I keep digressing. This is uh, I'm dragging this on for you boys, aren't I? Yeah, I've gone for Thierry Omri over Dennis Bergkamp. Lovely. Uh, shout out to the non-flying Dutchman, but uh, Thierry Omri just. Uh, Either him or Nedved, my favourite player of all time. Probably Henri, just because Arsenal player. Arsenal, yeah. Yeah. Um, Aaron Ramsey's up third, though, I should say as well. Wales and Arsenal. And what what a player as well Henri was. Uh, We've spoken about him on the podcast before. An absolute Arsenal legend. Went on to do incredible things after Arsenal as well. Had that moment where he managed to come back and just score that goal in the... uh, in the FA Cup, which is one of the most magical moments in football I think I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. But it's just everything. The pace, yeah. the finishing, the power, the calmness under pressure, the turn. Like, he literally had the complete striker. And the fact that he was signed as a winger is yeah. just mad that you consider that Arsene Wenger saw a winger, thought, I reckon I can make you the best striker in the world. Uh, and then did. I, uh... Found a quote when he left. Uh, we signed him from Juve in 1999. Um, it was only 11 million, actually, which when you consider today's fees, was probably quite a lot back in the day, actually. But um don't know the name of the Italian journalist, but he described Omri as ineffective as a goal scorer <laughs> in his time as a winger at Monaco. So he sort of uh, made him eat his trash rag that he was writing <laughs> stories for. Um, but yeah, of course, record Arsenal goal scorer. 175, 175 goals in two spells because he scored that one in the FA Cup against Leeds. 258 appearances. World Cup winner as well, 98. And a runner-up in 2006 cup. as well. Yeah, of course, of course. And won basically most things with Barcelona. Do you win the Champions League with Barcelona? Because um, there was that fateful night in Paris in 2006 that he could have put us 2-0 up with 10 men, but... He's a legend, so I'll give him the night off. Yeah, we'll let him <laughs> off for one. <laughs> Island fans don't love him, but you know. 
Well, he's got that little bit of a Sunday league nerve here. Oh, you need that little bit of extra to just... Yeah. I'm not advocating cheating. Sorry, Republic of Ireland fans, but also you did concuss Joe Allen in basically a playoff for the World Cup playoff, so you sort of had it coming in advance. <laughs> <laughs> that is Henri down to a T where he is the best player on the pitch, but if it's not going his way, he's not afraid to get a bit down and dirty to get the win. I think that, honestly, that's probably why he got to where he is because you need to have that sort of mentality of I've got to be the best and if I'm not, Mm -hmm. I need to make sure the next best person isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing or like something like that. So, yeah. Henri is one of those um, ex-football players now who, if you ever see him getting interviewed or as a pundit, I could listen to him for days. I, I find him so interesting as a person. Like I find him, like when he's talking about football and talking about especially his career and things like that and talking about memories from his career it's so easy to listen to obviously with the accent as well but like just because he's so passionate about it and he just seems like such a lovely man yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's the most <laughs> iconic punditry moment one of them with the hand on the Jamie Carragher leg when Brennan Rogers got sacked the other one I don't know if you've ever seen the video I can't I don't know the context of it but just search Henri Blimey I don't know why he oh, says it, yeah. but he Blimey. just says it in the strangest way I've ever heard anyone <laughs> say it. But he knows he's doing it. It's, it's really funny. It's very good. A great football On player. Soccer AM or something like that. Yeah, I think so. A great football player, great man, scorer of some of the best goals I've ever seen. Scourge yeah. of Liverpool defences for years. I used to hate watching Arsenal against Liverpool because Jamie Carragher and Sammy Hippier just could not get near him. As oh, yeah. the same with most Premier League defenders of that era, to be fair. Yeah. Um, not to but not to diminish his accomplishments, but obviously the defending standard wasn't as good back then. But <laughs> no. yeah, he's just a terrific, terrific player. And one of my favourite players outside of Liverpool, great, great servant to France, Arsenal, Barca, New York Red Bulls. Just great bloke. Good job, Thierry. Well, we've got your your first team. And it's a good first team as well, I must I must admit. We need someone as a super sub who's gonna come on and change the game if needed. Who we okay. who we got? Uh, in terms of super sub, the idea of substitutes, you want to make an instant impact, right? Yep. So uh, this player, he holds the record for the fastest goals of substitute, all of 1.8 seconds. <laughs> to make it better for me as an Arsenal fan, he did it in a North London derby as well. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I'm trying I to think. actually don't. I'm trying to think. Go on. The Lord himself, uh, Nicholas Bender. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a uh, 2007. Came on uh, just as we were setting up for a corner kick. Can't remember who floated the ball. And it was probably Fabregas. Um, free, I think because he just come on. I don't think anyone picked him up. Just free had the back of the net. One point eight seconds as well. Wow. So one point eight seconds. It's the most. The most memed football player in history. <laughs> I don't know. I think Nick- Balotelli probably is up there as well. Yeah, I know you're yeah. probably right. But nicknamed Lord Bentner. Yeah. As if he was the greatest player in the world. And well, he thought absolutely- he was. Yeah, that's very true. Absolutely was not the greatest player in the world. Yeah. Fair. Fair play to him. I mean, as substitutes go, like you said, if you want a super sub, you can't get much more super than a 1.8 second goal after you come on. Yeah, I mean, he's another one of those Arsenal players that we signed very young and really did think he could be sort of half decent to maybe touching top class level. Uh, he 
did all right for Denmark, in fairness. He's actually scored more goals for Denmark than he has for any single club. I think the most he got was 26 for Arsenal. Uh, he scored 30 in like 80-odd caps for Denmark. So, uh, yeah, he's done all right. But as you said, he's probably made more of a name off uh, yeah. his uh, pop Fantasy culture his, fandom. His game. Yeah. But he, he wasn't bad. So, like, yeah. As a youngster, we, we've had some shocking strikers over the past 10 years, like... Maron Shamak, Parchi Young. Yeah, yeah, uh, Oh my God, yeah, the <laughs> postman from League Two in France. Jesus, forgot about him. <laughs> and Nostalgia FC alumni as well. Yeah. Oh, oh has he been already playing? Oh, yeah. Good on him, good on him. I always have respect for players that have sort of come up through the lower leagues and sort of work jobs and they finally get their chance. Uh, even if they're not very good, I always think it's sort of just a bit of a rocky story. You yeah. Got respect for the drive More. to get to where they are. Yeah. I will say this about Nicholas Bentner. Bentner, sorry. He has the best agent going. How did yeah, he get himself a move to Juve? How did that happen? <laughs> he <laughs> was looking. Who Juve was watching him going, <laughs> that's who we need. Lads, we need a striker. Get him in. Was, it, was he Arsenal for like, near to like eight, seven, eight years or something like that? Yeah, wasn't it? Time, it was like a long yeah. time. We loaned him out a few times out. as well. Yeah. Then. And then, yeah, like you say, someone at Juventus was like, yeah, we'll take him. And also... Wolfsburg as well, and Wolfsburg aren't aren't a terrible side. They're, they're pretty decent. Yeah, Nicholas Bentner as well. Do you remember when he got fined for a? Uh, I mean, it was it Paddy Power on his yeah, underwear. He took his shirt off to celebrate. Yeah, he actually got fined in that match more. I think it was over double the amount than the Bulgarian FA got fined for the whole England racism incident. So yeah, again, really? that says it all about UA from yeah, FIFA. Sad and the game, isn't it? Substantially more that he got fined, which is a bit of a I'm... disgrace for. Well, a great choice, a ba- mm. slightly banterous choice because you know <laughs> Lord Bentner. But he could play, he could play occasionally when he wanted to. He could play. He did, but but what Sunday I will say as well, isn't it? So some true. players don't show up. What time. I will say as well, Drew, is your your whole concept of this podcast was you can pick any player from any moment. Now he's been picked for the moment where he comes on as a sub and scores in one point eight seconds. So whenever you bring him on. He's scoring in 1.8 seconds. So, was... Absolutely fantastic choice in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic, Steph. All right, well, there's your first team in your super serve in the bag. We'll take a short break and then we will come back for your manager, stadium, kit and team name. Well, a great team there. So uh, who is going to manage this team? Well, uh, as an Arsenal fan, I think there's only really one man for the job. Uh, Unai Emery. Well, the vampire himself <laughs> I think our last two managers actually look quite like vampires yeah. I don't know Arteta looks really young for how old yeah. he actually is um, but yeah I've gone for Le Professor obviously um, got to be Arsene Wenger great choice for I mean me, as, as I, an Arsenal fan especially with your age exactly can't go anywhere else can you get really exactly he took over in 96 I wasn't born until 97 so it was weird when he left. Um, probably the same for you, George, when Fergie yeah. left, because you probably your whole life just had him in charge of a club, and then you're never going to have that stability, maybe for a little, until a little while after he leaves, because it just takes time, doesn't it? But I also, I also yeah. think I, I feel like Arsene Wenger and Alex Ferguson were the last manager of that creed that are going to be there for that long. I don't think you will ever find a manager be at one club for that long anymore. No, the game's it's changed too much now. It's yeah. Just, yeah, you never know. Thomas Tuckle might do it, Chelsea. <laughs> he might set the record of being a manager for two seasons. 
<laughs> Chelsea, you would not you would not take that Chelsea job, would you? You just wouldn't. Oh. I mean, it's pretty good payday, I mean, so I probably was. You can live in London I mean, for like eighteen months, be all right. Yeah, me now. If Chelsea somehow, and let's be honest with their track record, they might. If me now, they came over and were like, do you fancy managing Chelsea? I'd be like, yeah, all right. <laughs> but I mean, if I was a big professional manager, I wouldn't take that job. No. Not a chance. Not with Roman Abramovich just going, nope, you're not done enough. See you later. No, but on like, to, back, uh, on to, back on to Arson. Yeah. A terrific manager, like you said, the professor. He had a great football in mind and obviously bought some of the best players to ever play in the Premier League into the league. I don't, obviously, he has the scouting system in place as well, but obviously he signed off on a lot of those deals, like Henri, Bergkamp, Vieira. Nicholas like, Bentner. Nicholas Bentner. <laughs> Marouane Shamak. You know, he signed some of the world's best players. Stinkers. And, well. But yeah, he like obviously has managed some of the best players and brought incredible success to Arsenal. The only manager to go unbeaten in Premier League season. So that says enough for me. And that's painful for Drew as well, I can imagine. Because it, it was close, wasn't it? <laughs> Sorry, Watford are really good. My heart was in my mouth, I have to say. Yeah. Just need it's, to let have that one thing. <laughs> yeah. It's something that is so hard to achieve as well. Like, so hard to achieve. Just going a whole season undefeated is insane. Yeah. And the fact that Liverpool almost did it as well. And Liverpool have an insane team and they couldn't do it. So, shows yeah. how... But it was. I always every every time I think of Arsene Wenger, I always have that image of him at Old Trafford when he got sent to the stands and he had no <laughs> idea where to go. So he stood in the middle of the two <laughs> <laughs> the two teams, just sort of it's one of the funniest images I've ever seen. All the United fans around him are just like either laughing or pointing at him and like shouting abuse. It's so funny. <laughs> Another quite memeable figure as well, the water slide thing, and they always have yeah. Stoke fans doing this. Yeah. He throws arms up in the air like he just doesn't care, and and he always oh, always had the character. longest coat I've ever seen anyone wear, and he's a that tall he could, man anyway that he couldn't zip up. Yeah, yeah. I always wanted one of them coats, like, but yeah, yeah, just his management style as well for me. Um, I've been reading his autobiography actually because he bought it out. Oh, well, they always do just before Christmas, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, didn't get it for Christmas, thank you very much, Ella. Um, or, <laughs> Mom, or whoever, sorry, I called my girlfriend on a podcast, <laughs> uh, bought it for myself. A very good book, I have to say. Um, did you know Arsene Wenger has an economics degree from I'm pretty sure it's the University of Strasbourg? So, very smart gentleman indeed. Yeah. Cool. As I said, uh, management style, very heavily influenced by the Dutch total football. And I think he was a fan of um, Dortmund team from like the late 60s or the early 70s that really, uh, really inspired him as a coach. Big fan of the 4-4-2 as well. Mm. Direct quote from Banger about that. Uh, no other formation is as efficient at covering space. Of course, I haven't gone for that, but it was <laughs> sort of the bedrock of the Invincibles team. Um Fit all those great players into into yeah. the starting eleven as well. So, I think yeah, with with Wenger as well, like you said, like he brought some of the most beautiful football into the Premier League. Like some of the stuff that Arsenal used to play. Literally, I remember we used to criticize them, saying, "Oh, it's like they're trying to walk it into the net." It's like, yeah, but they can. Let them do it. It's really nice <laughs> to watch. When I was a bit younger, rivalries were more important to me back then, and I was like, "Yeah, I hate Arsenal." But I'm just trying to pass it in, but now I'm like. Looking back, like, oh my god, that was such beautiful football! Yeah, like that, you know, you can like that you can't really see anymore because everyone's such a great tactician nowadays. Whereas it used to be like Wenger against just 
some bloke from Leeds who's like, yeah, all right, just going to lump it forward. And then he's like, all right, I'm just pass it in little triangles around you. You get nowhere near me. Like, they also, you say they try, they try, always try to walk the ball into the net and that's absolutely fine. Unless it's a penalty, which they also try to walk into the net once. <laughs> and oh my God, I, I still to this day have no idea what they were trying to do with that penalty. <laughs> what I enjoy afterwards is when Pires touches it and Henri looks at him like, not like that. <laughs> How else are you going to do it? What? It's like some of the best players in the world and they tried this this weird penalty and it didn't come off. Anyone anyone who's not seen the penalty um, is sort of... I can't remember. It was Perez went over to it, touched it, but then it was then in play. So I think a defender just came around and took it away, didn't he, or something? Or like, I'm probably remembering that a little bit wrong. But, oh, yeah, they all just ran in and one of them smashed it away. Then they got right in their faces like, Ehh. yeah, it's just, <laughs> it was the weirdest thing ever. And I don't know what Arsenal were trying to do, but they clearly <laughs> didn't do it I, correctly. Myself don't understand what they're trying to do. Like, it's not like, a, I don't know if it's, indi- it's an indirect free kick where you have to sort of lay it off before you can strike yeah. it. Yeah. I don't think you can't do that with a penalty, <laughs> can you? Because if you take it, unless it strikes the frame of the goal or the keeper saves it, does a defensive player have to touch it? Like I couldn't pass it like back heel a penalty to make the keeper fall over, and then my mate running in behind tucks it in. That wouldn't be allowed, surely. I think that might I, be what I they're don't trying know. To do, I don't. I think don't know you can do that penalty because it has been done since successfully. No, okay. But I don't know about I've the... seen it done as a free kick before, but not a penalty. Yeah, so. I don't know about the back heel. Though. That's quite an interesting idea. I just, I just don't see the point. No, no, I, I don't. Yeah, pretty, I agree, but pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty heavily leaning towards the straight nil up. Taker anyway, go for it. It be laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> None of these fancy run ups or any of that rubbish. Take five strides and belt it into a corner. Yeah. Make hard for him to save it. Don't try and sit him down. Works in open play, but I'm assuming in a penalty shootout you can't do it. No. As soon as the first person touches it, that's the penalty taken then. Sure. And also, it's a quite a long run-up from the halfway line, trying to get... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, just runs yeah, out and picks it up. <laughs> <laughs> Arsene Wenger, a great choice. One of the best managers of all time. Never mind generations, just of all time. Like, yeah. changed the game in England and brought in a style of football and players into the league that probably wouldn't have come if he hadn't have come as well. So, big up to Arsene. And on. All right, so, great. let's move from the manager... Onto the stadium. Well, I've never actually been to a game at the stadium, I should say, first of all. But I've been to it. It's the Estadio San Mames, which is the home of Athletic Bilbao. So it's in a Bilbao in North Spain. And uh, I've been because in 2018, me and my friends went to BBK, which is a festival in a Bilbao. So one of the mountains are uh, pretty cool. But because uh, it's up on the national parks, you get a shuttle bus from uh, the city centre app. Used to, I don't think they run it from outside there anymore. But the year we went, you'd get you got your wristbands from outside the stadium. They had the little uh, thing ticket exchange set up there, so yeah, uh, nice. went for a pint and a wee in it, and it's quite a pretty stadium. Nice. And I just loved Bilbao as a city mainly, and it was a great, uh, great holiday. So. Yeah, nice memories. Nice. Yeah, it's beautiful ground and a cool thing that's uh, come out recently. So, of course, Bilbao's in the Basque Country, which is a region of Spain. Uh, Basque Country have actually been given the green light by the Spanish Prime Minister to be officially recognised by FIFA and UEFA as an independent sort of national team. Awesome. Cool. Which is a pretty cool story. I um, The Basque region isn't like Galicia in Spain, which is actually got Celtic heritage, but it's it, 
like same as most other countries before they were formed, just loads of like kingdoms and counties of their own uh, independent volitions. So it's quite like the sort of layout and the location of Basque Country. I've only been there once, but it's a beautiful place. Lovely. God, that stadium really does stand out in its surrounding area, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the other thing. It's just plumb in the middle of the city centre. And it's quite, um, you do have modern buildings in Bilbao, but because you've got the, um, oh, what's it called? The Guggenheim Art Museum with the big flower dog in front of it. It's quite an artsy city because yeah. it's always quite bright because it's sunny. Um, you've got like a lot of flower arrangements and stuff around. And it's like the old style buildings mixed in with a few new ones. And then the stadium, there's just a big opening and the bit, like few roads in the city centre, the ground's just there. Love yeah, it. next to next some water as well. And it looks amazing if you, there's a few. Oh, yeah. The river's a gorgeous little spot. That, I can't remember the name of the river, but it's a gorgeous little spot. And it's quite nice as well. You get a bit of a breeze down and to cool off. Like, I've never <laughs> been to Spain before and I'm pasty and Welsh. So, like, anything, <laughs> anything over 18 degrees, I start to get a bit of a sweat on. So. <laughs> Fact the fifty, it's, aren't they? Uh, yeah, face it. Oh, mate, literally. <laughs> Factor a hundred, something like that. Well, I mean, mate was ginger as well, and he. Uh, no chance. Yeah, he was looking like a lobster throughout two days. <laughs> but he lives in Galicia actually now. Some shout out to my boy in Spain. But I nice. always thought it was funny that my best mate, who was ginger, moved to Spain. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to break the type. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably adjusted to it now. Toughened them up. All right. Well, lovely stadium, lovely location. What kit are they playing in? I've tried to sort of not go to an extreme as much as Imi did in terms of like an obscure-ish football kit. Um, you just say terrible. terrible is fine. <laughs> I wouldn't actually say it's terrible. I do have a bit of a soft spot for it, but there's <laughs> another story behind why I picked it as well. Um, I've never owned this shirt, unfortunately, but I've gone for St. Pauli's home shirt in the 2005 and six season. It's like a sort of... You know, the desert camo, you can go on Call of Duty and stuff yeah. like that. The skin for the guns. It's sort of like that whitish with the sort of sandy yellow camo in it. It's, it's all right. It's quite cool. Um, but yeah, another like FC related story because uh, we're both fan owned teams. Uh, we used to play, it was like a bit of a sort of club holiday they used to do because we once a season in the summer, we'd play friendly just abroad. Uh, we've been to, uh, we've only been to two, but they've been to like America and Korea before. Uh, we went to the two in Sw- uh, the one in Switzerland and the one in Hamburg, which is where St. Pauli are from. Uh, it's quite handy actually because we've got a cousin in Germany who lives in Bremen, it's only an hour on the train, so that was quite good. Um, but uh, recently, I think it was 2019 actually, uh, St. Pauli's fan insignia, which is the skull and crossbones, I don't actually think it was the club badge or anything like that. But that symbol was added onto the UK government's left-wing anti-terror watch list. Yeah, saw that. Recently, Wrexham fans uh, got put in uh, an affiliation with the IRA, which was really funny. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. I was thinking, what? (laughs) I don't know how they equate these things, but yeah, it's sort of a bit of a protest to that way I've done it. But also (laughs) because when FC went over to... um, uh, go there. Some of the fans we were talking to explained a bit about the club. Um, it was a working man's club, but because of the bit of Germany they were from, so very socialist background, very sort of liberal and sort of fighting for equal rights, anti-fascist, that sort of stuff. 
And in uh, when it was East and West Germany, you would have certain clubs in East Germany that had sort of fascist factions following them. So the San Pauli fans just they didn't really cause trouble. Like they get made out that they did. They used to just sort of stand there and not take any shit off the fascists, which fair enough, you can't really argue with that. But there was, um, it was in German, unfortunately, but while we were over there, because it was an anniversary of the club, that's why we were playing them. Um, anniversary of St. Pauli, I should say. There was like a documentary on about, it's sort of like this is England style with the, you know, the big sort of boot cut jeans and the scarves and the jackets yeah, and yeah. casuals going to the game and did look a bit violent from how they depicted it. But uh, yeah, they were lovely, the St. Pauli fans. No issues whatsoever. Just a group of people who love the game and want to go support the local team. So I don't know why they've been added to this watch list. Absolute disgrace. Very and strange. Just wanted to say that I've been to a game in their stadium. My cousin, actually. <laughs> it's another instance of uh, my family buying tickets for the wrong end. We <laughs> <laughs> sat in with the St. Pauli fans because he's German, rang the box officer, speaks fluent German, so they gave him home end tickets. <laughs> but like we cheered, it was three all. We cheered every time FC scored. Didn't kick off or anything. They just had a giggle and clapped us a little bit, and just a nice atmosphere. So nice. I wanted to nip uh, the St. Pauli reputation in the bed. Nice. Not yeah. like a German Millwall. Yeah, not oh. a German Millwall. St. <laughs> Pauli have recently had a Welshman playing for them. Yeah, James yeah. Lawrence. James Lawrence, that's the one. There you go. A bit Lovely. divisive amongst uh, some of my friends. Not so keen on him, but <laughs> left-sided centre-backs are often hard to... Uh, Left-footed centre-backs are yeah. sometimes hard to come by. So. Yeah. And anyone who wants to play for us is all right in my book. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> all right, well, there we go. What a great mix of players and UFC fighters and <laughs> all that fun stuff. So uh, we'll Current quit- musicians and failed musicians. <laughs> That's it. We will go through your team now. If there's any last-minute tweets you want to add in, go for it. Uh, and then at the end of that, we'll get you to name the team. So you went for a 5-2-1-2 formation with the great goal-scoring goalkeeper, Rogerio Saini, in goal. With your defence, five across the back. Jamaica and Bolton legend Ricardo Gardner. Centre-backs, Imi Quilter, Ashley Williams and Dave Chadwick, who is also your captain. And then yeah. last... Left wing back, we've gone for Jose Aldo, UFC fighter. And Rainbow Flicker. And Rainbow Flicker. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to the midfield, we've got yourself, Martin Pearson, holding sort of uh, as a city midfielder. You've got your playmaker in that midfield as Santi Gazzola, Arsenal Colt hero. And we have Pavel Nedved, one of the greatest players to play football, in my opinion, as an attacking midfielder. Yeah, absolutely. On to your strikers, you've got, in your words, the best non-league striker you've ever seen Rory Patterson with 99 goals and 129 appearances for FC United of Manchester great return and then of course one of the best strikers of all time Thierry Henry and super sub coming on the bench for scoring a goal in 1.8 seconds after he came on which is incredible not to take anything away from him very average player Nicholas Bentner (laughs) Uh, and who better to, uh, to manage this team with three Arsenal I was going to say Arsenal legends Three Arsenal players, two <laughs> legends. <laughs> Who better to manage them than Arsene Wenger in the uh, stadium of Estadio San Mames? And the kit is the San Paoli 2005 kit, which is sort of a camo kit. Yeah, lovely. Now, all that's left is for you to name this team. Well, 
you know how a lot of clubs in continental Europe have really weird names for teams with numbers and it's dead awkward to uh because you you know on scoreboard the little graphics only have like three characters yeah. so it's always dead awkward to I thought since it's a Sunday league team and it's going to be like a dodgy website with the league table on it <laughs> with in like Times New Roman like it was made on sort of like 2010 uh, Axel or something I've gone for uh FC fourteen oh four Red Star Rill. Love it. Yeah, bit of a word <laughs> soup, but there's a few little uh, little nods to things in there. Fourteen oh four. If you guys don't know, well, there is a, another club. There's a rugby club in uh, North Wales. RGC fourteen oh four. They're called Darks. Fourteen oh four is the year of Owen Glendor's uh, revolution for an in- uh, for an independent Wales. That's a little nod there. Um, and the Red Star things, another sort of a little cheeky communist anti-fascist nod. Uh, <laughs> Red Star Belgrade, of course. Bit of word soup of a name as well. But Sunday League team has <laughs> got to be weird and out there, hasn't it? <laughs> and that absolutely is. Yeah, I love it. Right, before we let you go, Martin, we're going to let you pitch your own podcast to oh, our listeners and get them yeah. to head over and give you a listen. So the floor is yours. I'll be honest, I've been a, I've completely forgot to pitch my podcast at any point first. I've just been enjoying it. Um, <laughs> but I do a little, I say news, but mostly my uh, slapdash opinions on Welsh sport. I uh, try to cover a broad horizon, but like, it's mainly football and rugby, boxing, MMA. Uh, but we've got someone who's nearly won world titles in uh, the Superbikes. So I sort of cover a bit of motorsport and WRC, try and do a bit of cricket as well because I've played. The Olympics is coming up, so I try and cover any athletes doing well. Um, bit of nostalgia type things. I'm long, um, doing a new sort of string of series on the podcast called uh, Dragon Sport Media Hall of Fame. So I'm just going to talk about the greatest athletes we've ever had to come out of Wales, male and female. So where can we find you if you want to listen to this, which I do? I am currently on Spotify. FIDs are mixed clouds. If you go on my website as well, my terrible free website that I've done so I can put my awful opinions into blog form, uh, that's dragonsportmedia.wordpress.com. Uh, all the episodes are up there. I try and uh, put links and stuff to them. You can get the social medias on there as well. And uh, yeah, read my own accredited opinions because that's what journalism is. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Well, it's been great having you on, Martin. Thanks very much for coming on. Yeah, cheers, mate. Oh, no, thank you very much for having me, guys. Really enjoyed it. And keep going with the podcast it's absolutely fantastic like i just think it's a great concept for you know you guys are doing a creative podcast idea whereas mine's just sort of regurgitating news <laughs> opinions of people so i do i just really enjoy nostalgia fc keep up the great work yes, well. i'd appreciate that a great team there from martin our friend from dragon sports media it's nice uh nice to see a different formation as well I yeah think. absolutely yeah to be fair, I, I didn't think we'd have a team where someone picked five defenders because traditionally defenders aren't people's favourite position, but I like what he's done with it. And to be fair, one of his defenders isn't a defender. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so you can sort of you can sort of forgive that as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I swear as well, Ricardo Gardner sometimes played on the wing as well. Yeah, I think so. I think he so was. He, like, is, he is an attacking player. Traditional wing back, I would say. Mm. But yeah, starting from the back, goalkeeper, Rogerio Saini. I mentioned him when... Joe mentioned Rene Higuita about the goal-scoring aspect of this game. But yeah, Rogério Saini, no matter how many goals he scored, whether it was 65 or 
131 or whatever it was, to score any amount of goals from goalkeeper, especially as a free kick taker, unbelievable. That record's not being broken. No. Ever. No, absolutely I don't not. think. I think because now people just won't trust goalkeepers to take them because no. <laughs> it's like, why would you? <laughs> like, you, you've got to be insane. Like, whoever's manager of his team has got to be insane to be like, yeah. Yeah. And it's not like he was playing for a small team. Sao Paulo are a big team in mm. Brazil. Like, that's a big, big, big deal. Very. Yeah. A great choice for the goalkeeper. I was waiting for someone to choose him. Ah, great choice for the goalkeeper there. Yeah. And then yeah. first wing back, Ricardo Gardner, Jamaican player, 111 caps. Bolton yeah. legend, I would say. I don't know if Bolton fans would say that, but I think if you play for a club for like over 10 years, even that, if you're not that great, you probably regarded a legend just for being there for so long. And that Bolton side were good as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like with, with JJ Cotter and all that, it's just sort of they, they were fun to watch. They were a good side. Yeah, absolutely. And he was um, part of that. So there you go, Ricardo. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Former uh, <laughs> former guest on the on the podcast, Imi Quarter. Yeah. As, as I said, don't want to offend Imi, but. Not the best football player you've ever seen in your life. No. But I'm sure she could do a job if she's playing alongside Ashley Williams and Dave Chadwick. Yeah. Bit of a mix yeah. there. Ashley Williams also started in non-league football. So that's a couple of non-league players. In fact, three non-league players, if you include Immy, not playing at all. That's, that's <laughs> in, technically non-league. Yeah, absolutely non-league, yeah. <laughs> Ashley Williams as well has seemed um, seemed quite reactionary because he just retired this week. Obviously, yeah. when this podcast comes out, it's a few weeks ago. But yeah, what, what a servant for Wales. Yeah. 86 caps, two goals, captain us to a semi-final. Yeah. Can't knock that. And his his goal in that uh, in that Belgium side sort of gets forgotten because yeah. of Robson Carnews, but it's just as important, if not more important, to get us back into the game. So Yeah. I think I love about that goal is the celebration where he runs straight at the Wales players on the bench. Because yeah. he's so massive and he's coming at such a pace, they're like, right, form a wall. And they're also a crowd <laughs> together just so they don't get bowled over by this giant man running towards them. But yeah, it's he... it's it's very similar to a to a bowling ball going down the uh, going down the lane. <laughs> yeah. And then on to Dave Chadwick, um, obviously a player we don't know much about, but uh, he is Martin's captain, uh, FC United of Manchester player, a stalwart for their team, a classic, as he said, non-league defender. And did he say now manager as well? Yes, he is now the yeah. coach. He is now the manager, yeah. And is the captain of this Sunday league team, as Martin called yeah. it. <laughs> and then left wing back. We, as a left we, wing choice. <laughs> we get we get a lot of odd choices. Um, but a Brazilian MMA fighter who is known for, you know, choking people out and getting yeah. knocked out. <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting knocked out, unfortunately for him. But uh, but yeah, but we we've been told, and he, uh, Martin said he'll send us the the clip that he did a ra- rainbow flick over Neymar. Yeah, and absolutely gets to be in a team. And if that, if he does that. anyone embarrasses Neymar, I am yeah. here for that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Got into the midfield, sent the defensive mid. He's chosen himself, which means he has now appeared twice in these podcasts. Yeah, but for all good reason. Like he explained that he isn't as much of a fighter as Zimmy suggested, and he maybe is a little bit better at football. But it's the point that I make. It's like if you're making these teams, I don't see why more people don't put themselves in the teams because yeah. you want to play in that team. Of course, yeah. You do. Kieran, Kieran said it on his podcast, didn't he? Yeah. Um, back when uh, he put himself in his defense, in his very odd defense, that. Yeah, I, he was surprised that uh, more people aren't putting themselves in these teams. Yeah. If you get to play with like absolute legends and people you love in the game, why wouldn't you put yourself? In of it? course, yeah, that's the whole idea. Like, if you want to play in this team, you put yourself in the team. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> but they're the midfielders in there. 
Santa Cazola, Arsenal the legend. Test tube reveal <laughs> from Villarreal. Like, so <laughs> if anyone does get a chance to watch that on YouTube, just just search like um, Santa Cazola reveal. It's outrageous. Can you imagine him signing for Actually, Villarreal? that might get some weird results. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But like signing. Can you imagine him, him signing and then going into the press room and them going, right, Santi, we've got a great idea. Because <laughs> they knew he had signed. It wasn't like it was a surprise that he'd signed when he did that. They knew that he would... Like they'd already announced the signing. So there was no need to put him in a test tube for smoke and step out. You know, you know what it reminds me of? You know, uh, we both used to watch WWE, and I'm sure a few listeners did. You know, in the yeah. Royal Rumble, there's always a shock <laughs> by entrance. Yeah. Imagine, countdown happens, there's a test tube on the ramp heading down to the ring, and it fills up with smoke, and everyone's like, oh my God, who's this? And Santi Gazzola just appears. That's what it feels like. <laughs> it's only small, so it's not really that... In- oh, oh. Oh, it's like, oh, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but no, great player, still playing. In fact, no, I think he was tired. Is he still playing? I don't know. But he's, uh, oh, I don't know. A very good player, a uh, mm. little magician, very similar to sort of David Silva kind of style of play. Just a little Spanish fella running around, having a good time. And then the absolute legend from Czech Republic that is Pavel Nedved. Yes. I can't say enough about this guy. No. I absolutely love this guy. I used to love watching him play for Juventus and things like that. It's just absolutely, absolutely insane player. And doesn't get talked about enough. No, no, not really. I think he sort of falls in that early 2000s when football was sort of dominated by Brazil. Yeah. So people sort of overlooked other players, even though he went a Ballon d'Or, obviously. But like growing up in that generation, you saw more of Brazilian players and like the flair players than you did sometimes just genuinely good football players like Neved. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right there. Great captain for Czech Republic in the Euros in 2004. They came third, they got the bronze medal in that one. And yeah. Yeah. Just a great player all around. And then the man with no name. A man with no name. Rory Patterson. He, he said he was from Northern Ireland and yeah. played for FC United of Manchester and got, unfortunately for him, I'd be so annoyed. I don't know if he probably isn't, but I'd be so annoyed. Unfortunately, only got 99 goals, didn't get that 100th. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, nice. I, would, I couldn't do that, you know. I'd have to keep going back. Just, I'll play for free. Just let me score one more goal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, him in a partnership with the one and only Thierry Henry. Yeah. Obviously, we can we can't say enough about the talents of Thierry Henry. We've both supported teams on the on the receiving ends of yeah. the talents of Thierry Henry. United more so with the goal he scored against those that get shown every time you talk about Thierry Henry, where he just flicks it up in the air and just. Oh yeah, one of the best goals of all time, in my opinion. Just yeah, yeah. Sheer audacity to do that, just like. Yeah, so yeah that's that's him. And then talking about audacity and. Being a bit tongue in cheek, we've got uh, the Lord Bentner himself on the bench, ready to come yeah. on. Yeah, a, a man who thought he was m- a much better player than he yeah, actually was. Absolutely, Nicholas Bentner is not the best player. He's better than me. He's better than Drew. He's better, yeah. he's better than most most people in the world. But uh, he thought his talents were better than they were. I think. Yeah, absolutely. But for that one instance. 1.8 seconds onto 1. the pitch to score seconds. a goal. That's mad. You need a goal off the bench. He's taken literally a super sub, and that's where we find ourselves, and that's a good choice. Mm, very. And, and ironically, then... the manager that bought him on was Austin <laughs> Wenger. There you go. Yeah. Austin Wenger, you can't, you can't, especially with him being an Arsenal fan, he's, he's not going to go anywhere else, is he? No. He's not going to pick anyone else. Uh, Arsene Wenger was at Arsenal for, is it close to 30 years? years? Must have been. Yeah. yeah. 
But ninety six to two thousand and sixteen, I think was it. That's insane, isn't it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, no, he changed the game definitely. Obviously, not a lot of foreign managers in the league in the nineties, and then he brought his game from France with him, and then it just changed the game for Arsenal. They became one of the most successful clubs in that era. Obviously, it's dropped off since he's left, and even a few years while he was still there. But that late 90s, early 2000s period, the Arsenal team that he built there was just unbelievable. Champions League finals, multiple Premier League titles, undefeated season. They yeah. love winning an FA Cup, you know, just a great a great collection of players because of him. So, yeah, Arsenal man, a great manager. You, we were saying as well that uh, Mikel Arteta sort of learned under Guardiola, and that is the case because obviously he was coaching staff at Guardiola City. But he also, he was a player under Arsene Wenger. Yeah. And probably learned a lot from him as well. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Definitely rubs off on you hanging around with managers that are so like passionate about the game. Mm. I think because he was a bit older, people thought he didn't have that passion, but he, he does. You could see it. He loves oh, it. Loves the 100%. game. 100%. You, could, you saw when he got annoyed and a lot of the time there was, there was like sort of, he had a lot of arguments with Mourinho, if I remember. Yeah, did not get a on with Mourinho. Like, yeah, and... We can all we can all get on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> so then the stadium, Estadio San Mames in Bilbao in northern Spain. Can't can't say that it's a stadium that I was really aware of before, but having looked at it, it is a beautiful stadium. It has that sort of Spanish vibe of just being yeah. bang in the middle of the city. Like, and it does just stand out amongst its surroundings, mm, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a part yeah. of the city that is I think something that's very like common in Spanish. Spanish football culture where the team is so centric to the the well-being of the town almost where if the team's doing well then the town feels it's doing well and I think that's uh, a great thing for Bilbao to have that in the middle of their middle of their city so yeah mm, definitely yeah and then the kit St. Pauli 2005 home kit a sort of sand desert camo colour but yeah a lovely kit and a, a nice message of just how he had his own personal experience with the St. Pauli fans compared to their, um, their reputation reputation that preceded them. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, it's a nice story. And obviously football is a game of experiences. So if you experience one thing and people say another thing, or you can rely on it's your own experience. So Martin has experienced it and it's nice that he could to bring that up and back up the St. Pauli fans. I'm sure they'll appreciate then, it. All the ones that listen. Yeah. And then a bit of uh, a bit of a shit. I was rechoice in the name. Uh, <laughs> let's see if I can get this. FC 1404 Red Star Rill. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'm well, trying he to does... think. He he mentioned about the abbreviation of uh, of teams that have like numbers and stuff in their in their names. What would the abbreviation of that be? Um, RSR. Yeah. <laughs> RO4. I don't know. But yeah, a name planted in Independence, which uh, obviously is a big advocate for being. Wales's premium independent sport media, 1404, obviously, Owen Glendor, the uh, independence campaign, Red Star for the communism side of things, and then uh, just real, because <laughs> he's from real. Thank you. From real, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming the FC at the start as well, it's because of FC United of Manchester. Yeah, there you I'm go. I'm assuming. But yeah, a lovely team. Yeah. Uh, great to have a fellow podcaster onto the pod, our first yeah. podcast collab. I'm sure there'll be many more, but that Hopefully is our first. first many, yeah. Great. Thanks to Martin for coming on and doing that with us. Just remember, if you want to go and check him out, uh, Dragon Sports Media, he has a podcast. Uh, he releases it a couple of times a week, talking all things sport in Wales. So not just football. He has rugby, cricket, uh, mixed martial arts, boxing, 
motorsports. Basically, if it's a sport and there's a Welsh person in it, he's going to talk about it. So, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Great to have him on the pod and uh, all the success to him. Just remember to check him out on Spotify or follow the link that we will include on this episode to find his website. Yeah. So, best player, worst player? Uh, Pavel Nedved, best player. I'm going to go Thierry Henry. Okay. Yeah. I think I think we've got the two best players in there. Yeah. Uh, worst player, Amy Quill. <laughs> you savage. Well, um, I was going to go for Martin, but I don't want to offend him. No, so that's true. Podcast. That's I was going to go for Jose Aldo, but then I was like, not everyone could do a rainbow flick over Neymar. No, that's true. And he might so, come for you as well. <laughs> it's going to have to be Amy Quill. Uh, yeah, yeah. and Nicholas Bentner. <laughs> oh, I mean, Nicholas Bentner's a professional football player. <laughs> Sorry, Amy. We love your toe pokes, but they're the worst out of this team. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, mate. Yeah, look at the team round round you. It's 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 a it's not <laughs> not that bad. No, it's not terrible. Cool. So uh, that wraps us up for another week. As always, we will point you in the direction of our social media channels. We've got you on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all under the handle at Nostalgia FC Pod. We post pictures, interactive quizzes, videos, and clips from the show, and uh, all things like that. So make sure to follow us and click subscribe on anything you can do. Again, with your podcasting platform, if you have anything that you'd like to share with us in terms of a, rev- a review or a rating, please go ahead and do so. Uh, we really appreciate it, and it helps us grow the podcast. Yeah, we also have, we've never mentioned this before, but I thought may as well while we're plugging everything. We do have an email address if anyone would like to email us or get in contact with us that way, a bit more professional, I guess, which is nostalgiafcpod at gmail.com. Again, if you want to send us an email, get in contact with us in any way, you can do that as well. Yeah, and as always, if you want to feature on the pod or you know someone who would love to feature on the pod, let us know and we will get them on board. Yeah, absolutely. So... All I have to say is that was Nostalgia FC and that was Martin Pearson off of Dragon Sports Media delivering FC 1404 Red Star Rill. And what a team it was. And what a team it was. Last thing on Arsene Wenger. I always thought it was baffling as a child that Arsenal managed by Arsene Wenger. I was like, how is that? Surely that they didn't. Cool. <laughs> did they just pick him because his name was the same. Obviously, they didn't no, pick I, him because I his name was the same. But cool. <laughs> it's just a fun coincidence. <laughs> they reckon they interviewed and they were like, "Right, so we like your name. <laughs> All you have to do is back it up, and you've got the job." And then he said, "I'm just going to wear really long coats," and they were like, "Yep, sold, sold." sold.